podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I am pretty well, thank you. I am recovered, let's say, from the end of the season and looking forward to the actual end of the season. How about you? I am very much the same. Very, very much the same at the moment. Just sort of still a little bit shook by the end of the season. Still surprised that it's come so quickly and that we only have one game left because it doesn't seem like that long ago we were talking about how many games Liverpool had left. Yeah, we have really rattled through them um, one after another, really, hasn't it? For about two months now, almost every three to four days. I think we had one gap of five, which was about our longest break in between the last 10 or so. So it has been a a very full-on end of the season. And when you consider, obviously, keeping up with the title race elsewhere or the European semis that were going on with a few other interesting ties, it has been... uh, Quite a non-stop couple of weeks, so it has kind of crept all of a sudden up on us. That's uh, that, that's it. <laughs> that's almost it now. Just just one real game left, and on to the summer we go. Yes, before we go anywhere else, we'll take a quick moment here, and let's bring this on you. AC Milan crowned Serie A champions with a comprehensive victory over Sassuolo. Your thoughts on Milan reclaiming the throne? Yeah, marvellous. Been uh, been a long time coming. Last year, I thought they were, they, well, obviously they were top until about March or so, and they looked capable, but it was really more of a, a challenger year than an actual going to go on and win it. They weren't quite there in terms of depth or consistency and probably that, you know, that unifying belief that they have as a team that you need to win the major trophies. Whereas this year, I think right from the start, they were that. Uh, obviously helped a little bit by the fact that Conte had left Inter and Juve obviously were not back to where they want to be yet but you still got to make the most of that you've still got to take advantage when your time comes along and I think Milan really really good in terms of consistency this year uh, four defeats pretty good I think um, that would be round about your standard a, a few years ago in any of the top leagues outside of maybe Real Madrid Barcelona so uh, I think this is a very very good campaign for them I think the obviously the Champions League matches and group stage that they did have probably sets them in decent stead for next season as well and I don't think that they're really in any danger of the, the entire team breaking up. They may lose one or two along the way, but I think it's really good news that people like Deo Hernandez obviously has signed his new deal and there's already been rumours of uh, Rafael Leal heading elsewhere, but if they can keep ma- most of that core together, that spine that they've built there now with Tamori coming in as part of it, mm. Mike Magnan coming in and being a really big performer this what, season. What, what a goalkeeper. Uh, brilliant. What Fantastic. a sign. That's one of the best signings anyone made last summer. It looked like it could be catastrophic for them to lose a quote-unquote generational talent like Donnarumma and Mannion comes in and just raises the bar at AC Milan. Yeah, tremendous. Really, really consistent. Uh, even like the couple of games that he did miss, he, he made a difference, actually. You wouldn't expect necessarily all the time that someone doesn't get to play a couple of matches and, and their impact as such is, is noted first season in as well, but they really, really did. And like I say, if they can keep that sort of spine, if you like, people like Sandra Tonali coming through this season and much, much improved in terms of his consistency of play. I don't know. I really like the the age of this team overall, this this group that they've put together now. Pioli, I think, only has one more year left on his contract, so we'll see if he gets either a, an extension this year or they just let it play out and see what everyone wants to do a year from now. But mm. there's a really good group there. If they can add, I don't know, let's say it might be a centre-forward given the ages of Giroud and Zlatan. Obviously, Divock's going there. 
Maybe there'll be another defender as needed for Kier's injuries and if Romagnoli leaves. But basically, they've got a really, really good group. So you can just replace the ones who leave, like Frank Kessie is going to need replacing in midfield. If you do mm. really well with that, then there's no reason why they can't put a real good shift in next year to try and defend it. Yeah, so Kessie is going. I think he's made a mistake there personally. But it looks like Renato Sanchez is the one they have sort of lined up to come in. Now, a lot with him depends on his fitness. But if they've got a three-man rotation of him, Benesser and Tonali, then you know they should be able to put, put out a good midfield most weeks. You mentioned centre-back. Sven Botman is the name that constantly gets brought up with Milan. He's spoken about how it's his dream to go to Milan. So a Tomori-Botman pairing does strike me as something that could be very, very good. Kalulu at right-back, Theo at left-back. That's a really strong defensive unit that can flex into a three when Theo goes rampaging up the left wing to beat everybody all by himself and score goals. That's a pretty strong base to build off. They've got the really good goalkeeper. I think this season he's established himself as probably one of the top five or six on the planet. They do need a centre forward. I think Divock coming in, if we're being honest, at a top club, Divock is a squad player. Now he'll have a bigger squad role there than he has had here, but I still think he's a squad player. I think they need a starting winger as well. Um, you know, if Leao stays, I think they need someone to play opposite him. I know they like to have, you know, kind of one maybe workman-like winger and Leao for balance, but I, I still don't think they could do with adding someone wide right. Um, but a nine does seem to be something that they want. They've been mentioned for Darwin Nunes. I think the price might be prohibitive there. But if they can get a nine... And I do wonder if maybe they might throw eyes at, you know, a, a couple who've been linked to Premier League moves, like a Jonathan David or somebody like that. Um, they could set themselves up really well with a young squad that could be prepared to maybe go on a bit of a run here in Syria with some question marks over Juventus, some question marks over Inter over the next couple of years as some of those players age out and a bit of uncertainty about what the, the plan is for the likes of Latour Martinez. Um, Milan have put themselves in a really good situation. I think credit has to go to those that have built the team and to Pioli, who's done a great job. I think his, his coaching has been outstanding this season. I haven't always been a big fan, but I think he's done a great job this season. I think he probably warrants at least sitting down with him and discussing the framework of a new deal. Uh, I wouldn't imagine he's on mega money. He's not like a, a, a Klopp level. Um, financial commitment. I wouldn't imagine he's even at an Allegri level financial commitment. So it could be something you could do a two-year extension. And if it doesn't work, it won't completely sink you to just say, right, listen, it hasn't worked on your way. Thanks for the league title, but you know we're going to go a different direction. Um, Rafael Leao is a player you mentioned. He has been linked to the move away. Real Madrid has been mentioned in recent days. His name has also been floated with a move to the Premier League. How do you think he would fit in the Premier League? And more directly, do you think he's the type of player Liverpool could look at this summer if Sadio, for example, was to leave? Leao? Yes. Uh, I love Leao. I think he's he's great, but I do think that at the moment he's best suited to playing uh, On wide left. and coming in. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we have a, our own recent addition who has done fairly well so far in that similar role. So I, I'm never going to be against signing Rafael Leao because I think he's one of the players who could be, you know, one of Europe's top, let's say, at least ten forwards. Uh, given another couple of years, he's really found that clinical and consistent edge to his game, which was missing this year. But of course, you want to see that again next year and again next year. And if you make the step to a more competitive squad uh, after the season that he's just had, you run the risk of maybe a little bit of frustration or stagnation if you can't uh, have the platform to play 40 games from the start again. And maybe that's not quite what he needs right at this moment in time, to be brutally honest, coming to Liverpool where he might only start maybe half of that number, possibly. I don't think he's there in terms of his movement just yet for playing as the number nine. He definitely doesn't drop in the same way as Sadio does, for example. He's not going to be quite as much of a physical presence as Sadio is, for example. But when he's got space ahead of him, when he's come, when he's running from deep on the counter or that, he's nearly unstoppable. So I'd love mm. to see him stay another year at Milan, 
be a you know a real key figure for them maybe he becomes the number nine for them that we're talking about if they don't sign somebody else and you know then they look at a, a bit of a mix of Origi and Dilarevic from the left-hand side for example um, I'd be very interested to see how that goes and of course he gets more European games under his belt as well and then maybe another year down the line maybe we look at him then yeah I think that's fair I think that's a fair shout right we have signed the player we have confirmed that Fabio Carvalho fellow Portuguese man of Leao will join Liverpool this summer from Fulham uh, a fee of 5 million rising potentially to 7.7 million it is unquestionably I think a bargain for a player of his talent of his age of his profile Uh, he's 19 he'll turn 20 in August coming off a season where he played over 3,000 minutes for Fulham over 2,800 of them in the championship, which is obviously a very physical league. 10 goals and 8 assists, playing as a 10 and wide. What do you think he brings to this Liverpool team, Carl? Um, quite a few things, to be fair. Uh, versatility looks to be the first one, because he could be used in any of about four roles for us, to be honest. I know you don't really think he's a, the type to play that deeper nine role for us, so at the very least, still three roles. And... I really like his ball carrying abilities. Really, really good manipulating it with you know one side to the other. He's not restricted to take people on just in one way. He, you know, it's not a case of knocking it past them. It's not a case of you know, the same tricks sort of all the time, trying to step over and going on the outside on his favoured foot. He does seem to be really, really clever in terms of the positions he takes up for return passes as well. Uh, it's not always I've seen quite a few times where he'll like go to play a one-two and sprint past the man. They try to go with him and he just stops. And he just stops dead and finds himself suddenly in 10 metres of space and he's got the ball back and then can do bits with it. So I very, very much like that. Um, I've got to be honest, obviously championship-wise is not top of my watching list. So I've still got some work to do on Fabio Carvalho, but everything that we've seen so far in terms of... Um, uh, sorry, everything I've seen so far, I should say, in terms of his attack and play, his build-up is really good. You can see that uh, similarity with... I'd say Jones and Elliot in terms of they always receive the ball head up, always looking to see where it's going to be going next. They're not afraid to attack the space at all uh, when they're in possession. They'll happily carry it over 10, 15 metres if they're not challenged, wait for someone to step out and then play that pass in behind. Uh, I think that's a really, really clear theme um, over most of the attacking players that we've either signed quite young or have brought through ourselves, obviously, and even a few of the under-23s who have been in and around the side earlier on this season, people like Tyler Morton earlier on, you'll see the same thing. They receive the ball head up, they're happy to carry it if nobody's approaching them, and then they'll make that pass afterwards. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, as I've said loads and loads of times, the most important thing is movement off the ball. So he is very, very clever in that regard. He's definitely not afraid to run behind the striker when he's playing a little bit deeper. He can run the channels, he's good at cutbacks, it's not just blind crosses with him, so lots and lots of reasons to be optimistic about what he can bring. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think one of the things that really stands out to me is is how brave he is with the ball and how aggressive he is in terms of his progression with the ball. Like, he's not the type of player who takes the ball in and looks for the safe option. He takes the ball in, he knows where people are, and he knows what his, what his options are, and he will take the one that he thinks gives the team the best chance of progressing the ball, whether it be a pass or a carry, or a simple layoff to somebody who can play a progressive pass. He's good at drawing defenders. He's good at making them miss and getting around them. He's got lovely balance on the ball. Like you said, he can kind of flip both directions when he's dribbling, which is always a good sign. There's a little bit of Coutinho in him, in his movement, the way he plays, the the touch. Not saying he'll ever get to Phil's level before anybody says anything of that nature but I mean when Phil was this age he wasn't looking like he could become a player who was going to be worth 147 million either um so I I do think he's one that we'll be very careful with I think he's one that has definitely been brought in with a very clear plan on what he's going to be and how we will use him I expect to see him play quite a bit off the left next season but I do think the long-term plan with him could be to move him into a number eight position and have him more involved in the build-up. Or if we do shift shape and go to a 4-2-3-1, and Neil Jones mentioned this recently, 
if Liverpool do go with the kind of four forward lineup that we've played at times, he could be the one that plays as that number 10 and everything kind of moves around him. And, and that could be the best use of him. His partnership with Mitrovic was really impressive this season and his anticipation of where to be is one of the standout things. Like, You'll often see players react to a cross, whereas he's anticipating the cross. He's proactively making a run. And if the ball goes where he is, he's always in space. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But he's not, because he's 5'8 and he's quite slight, he's not going to win aerial duels with centre-backs. So what he does really well is he finds little pockets of space in dangerous areas where he can hurt teams. Another thing that strikes me as well is that he performed well against good teams this season. Like some of his standout performances were against Luton, who were a a playoff team, Millwall, who had a solid top half season, uh, Huddersfield, who are in the playoff final. Like he's not just someone that went stat padding against the bad teams and then didn't really show up against the good teams. He performed consistently well against the better teams in the division. And I think that's that's a good sign. He also obviously scored against uh, Man City in the FA Cup, which again, to me, is a, is a good sign. No massive injury issues. He had a toe injury that kept him out for, I think, about six weeks during the season. So maybe that's just something to keep an eye on, but it, it seems to have cleared up and he hasn't had any problems. He played basically the entire half of the second half of the season with no problems. Um, he's also obviously been included in, in recent Portuguese under 21 squads, having made the decision to play for Portugal as a, you know, he also had the option to play for England, but he went with the country of his birth. So, um, I do think he's someone with a big, a big future in front of him, a high ceiling. And I think it's a little bit of a coup for us to get him because from the sounds of things, he had, quite serious offers from both Benfica and Porto to return to Portugal and be a big part of what they're doing. And he made the decision to join Liverpool. And uh, I think that, you know, goes to show that we are becoming a club that attracts talented players. Younger players are seeing a real pathway at Liverpool. He obviously knows Harvey Elliott having spent, I think, five years at Fulham with him. So there's a relationship there. I, I I think it's all positive with this signing. And and Neil Jones has said as well that the plan is to keep him. It's not to loan him out. He is going to be part of the first team picture. So I'd say if we're just writing names down, he probably goes down for next season as you know the backup to Diaz in that left wing position, who'll also see some minutes in other positions. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to be honest. Um, we, obviously, we've got people like Jota can go that side as well, and if he's mm. still around. Mane obviously will still play some games there. Yes, but I do think that yeah, they either the right side midfield. You might get a little bit of game time there, depending on who's injured and who else we buy this summer. Um, but if not, then I think probably both sides of the attack. To be fair, I could I could see him playing a, a bit of a role there because even if you think from the right hand side, if he's not going to do as much of cutting in and shooting he is still capable of coming in on that left foot like we've said and he's creative as well as it's not just a case of being a you know a shot monster type of inside forward is it it's very very head up looking for the good clever passes the cutbacks the final little touch to get someone else on the ball in the box as well I mean you mentioned it's not stat padding but across the board he's he's pretty good actually in terms of all kinds of attacking options almost 2.0 to 2.5 for each of uh, key passes, dribbles, and shots per ninety, which is you know first season, first full campaign where you've played three thousand minutes almost. That's that's pretty damn good for a teenager. It is, it is, and, and the other thing that that struck me about him last season when he got a few games for Fulham in the Premier League was he, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look overawed by the whole thing. He looked like someone that belonged, and he he started their last three games. He got a goal against Southampton. He played against Southampton, United, and Newcastle. So, you know, United last season were at least decent. Newcastle were quite physical, and Southampton were a high-pressing unit. And he was able to 
make it look like he belonged in all of those games. And I think that's that's a promising sign as well. He's not someone that's going to be overawed by anything. I like the fact as well that when he was going to do the deal in January and he was going to agree to sign for us in January, he was insistent that he wanted to go back to Fulham on loan and he wanted to see out the season. I think that shows that he A, wants to play and B, had real loyalty to the club that had developed him. And see, he's a winner. He wanted that promotion. He wanted to win the league with Fulham. I think that's a very strong mentality in a young player because a lot of young players would just go, oh, good luck. See you later. I'm away off to Liverpool. Uh, I'm going to go over here and you do whatever it is you're doing down there. But he was adamant he wanted to stick with Fulham for the remainder of the season and ensure that they got their promotion. So I think that all, all speaks well to who he is as a person. Um, I think the... The big winners in this are Ballum, a Ballum football club in Wandsworth. They're going to receive a, a hefty chunk of money. I think it's over a million quid they'll get from this deal. And that should sustain that football club for maybe two years, th- three years maybe, um, which is also having played, having played on the same field as they do quite often, more than that, I'd say. Oh, really? Well, that's, <laughs> yes. but isn't that brilliant though? Like that, oh, you yeah, know, tremendous. And that's how football should work. That's how it should work. That when players who have spent a couple of years at these, you know, combined counties league teams in the youth academies or whatever, um, or they're not even academies, it's just underage teams, um, that, you know, when one of those players gets poached by a bigger club and then that club sells them on, that they get, they get their share for the work that they've done. So delighted for them, delighted for Fulham. Um, I think it's, look, it speaks really well of the Fulham Academy that in the last couple of years, Liverpool have gone there and poached two players. It's a bit disappointing for Fulham, obviously, that they haven't been able to tie Harvey and and Carvalho down long term. But at the same time, it does speak well to what they're doing there and that their methods of developing players and that their talent identification in that is, is working well for them. And if they can, find a way to get better at it and, and, you know, really start locking those players down. It could be something that Fulham can lean into for the future as, as a way to become, you know, not necessarily a feeder club, but certainly a club that all the top clubs are looking at and thinking, well, who've they've got, who've they got now? Who can we go and look at? Because for a long time, young players at Fulham were sort of pushed to one side and now they are, they're getting more and more of an opportunity. That's Sessegnon. Uh, Harvey and Carvalho in the last couple of years. And not just that, but go, you know, five years further down the Fulham Academy system. And if you've got someone who is trying to decide between them and maybe Arsenal or UPR, whoever it is, they've got a clear pathway there. You know, they've shown that one, they'll use them two, they'll develop them in the right way so that very, very good clubs further up the, the chain would be interested in them if they play well. And of course, that they would be reasonably willing to sell uh, if you know there's not going to be too many obstacles. I know both of these obviously out of contract makes it a little bit different, mm. but they've at least got the, the the track record of showing that they can leave the club to really, really big Premier League clubs if they do the business on the pitch. That's the thing, Mike. The next time a, a Declan Rice gets released from Chelsea or Arsenal or whoever and is looking for their next club, Fulham can be right in that mix and say, well, look, Ryan Sessegnon, Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho, look what they've gone on to do. We haven't held them back. We didn't block their transfers because there's some negative feeling in the football community towards West Ham for supposedly, you know, blocking Declan Rice's chances of a move by putting a massive price tag on him. And they can use that to their advantage and say, look, we we understand our place in the food chain, and if you develop well and we get a good offer for you, we won't ask for the sun, moon, and the stars. We will sell you at a fair price. Come to us. We have a clear pathway. You'll get minutes. You'll get to play in the Premier League at an early age. There's one thing they've been really good at. I mean, Cessnion was in the first team at 16, Harvey the same, and Carvalho, I think, was, was he 17 when he made his first appearance? So, you know, they, they can point to that track record and say, look, and when the time comes and a bigger club comes in, we're happy to let you go as long as the price works for us and it won't be crazy. So all of these things are positive for Fulham. 
all of them are positive for Ballam FC, and it's all very positive for Liverpool that we've been able to um, to to snap up another very very promising young player who joins a growing core of young players at Liverpool when we factor in Harvey, Curtis, Tyler Morton, um, Ibu and Trent, obviously that bit older and more established, but still very young players. Kate Gordon was was one that was quite a coup for us to get because United offered him a lot more money than we offered. Um, there's Musileski, there's Fraundorf, there's Oakley Cannoneer. There's a lot of really talented young players now at Liverpool that could potentially make their mark on the first team in the next couple of years. And another one that could be on the way is Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen. Uh, 18-year-old Scottish right-back has had a very, very good season. I think he was voted the best young player in Scotland this season. He's, you know, Scotland just seemed to be in a bit of a groove at the minute for producing full-backs. Nothing else. Nothing else is good. But the full-backs are good. They've got Robbo, obviously, Kieran Tierney, obviously. Aaron Hickey's a massive talent. Uh, I, I really like Patterson, who went to Everton, and now Ramsey. And it does look like Ramsey will be joining us for around five million as well, giving Trent potentially a long-term backup. And maybe in the future there is there is a Trent into midfield move. Maybe Klopp sees that or Linder sees that as a possibility. And Ramsey could be one who develops in that role. Have you seen or heard much of Ramsey? No, barely anything. I think I saw one game of him just after we were linked. I switched on just to watch it in between. Uh, two other matches that I was watching. Um, so I saw a little bit of him, but that's about it. I don't really have too much to comment on. And to be fair, I think it's positionally interesting, obviously, because it might speak to some moves that are made this year. Nico Williams, obviously, there's mm. got to be a bit of interest because he's done well at Fulham. He's really flying with Wales, obviously, and he's not going to get the game time here that he needs. But when he did get a few games before he went on loan, he was much improved. I think we can see that there's a quite a big step having been taken from uh, from Nico, so better play to him. Hopefully we get a decent fee as well. Yes, for certain. Much better this season than he had been. Definitely did well at Fulham. Um, look, he was getting in that Fulham team over Kenny Tete, who's a Dutch international, so that's that's no small feat either. Um, so credit to him, and, and I hope he does go on and have a, have a good career. He's certainly, he's certainly a good lad. He's certainly a, a good player. It I think the case is just he's not quite of the level required to play for Liverpool. And at his age, he wants to be starting, and that's where he falls down. If he was happy to be a career backup, he'd probably be kept. Like I'd, I'd imagine they'd be more than happy to keep him and have him as a backup for the next decade. But the fact is, he's a Welsh international. He wants to play regularly. And I, again, I think it shows a strong mindset on his behalf. Um Right, that is that. Let's move on then and talk about some other bits and bobs. Aston Villa have confirmed the signing of Boubacar Kamara from Marseille on a Bosman free transfer. This is potentially the signing of the summer, Carl. It's a big surprise that they were able to pull this off, considering some of the other clubs that he was linked with. I think he'd comfortably walk into Manchester United and start. I think he could start in a back three for Chelsea or Spurs. I think he'd start in midfield for Arsenal over over Granit Xhaka. Uh, he was linked with, eight, with Atletico Madrid. He was linked with Milan. He was linked with Inter Milan. He could have stayed at Marseille and played Champions League football next season. But he's made a decision to go to Aston Villa. Um, it, it's a big, big coup for Steven Gerrard. Massive. Uh, I mean, I assume this was in the works or nearly done even a couple of weeks ago, for it to be done so quickly after the end of the season. They've obviously decided he's one we've got to get. No messing about, no waiting, no seeing if we can get a decent price a bit later on or anything like that. They've just gone in and done the job. And I think it's very, very important because the way that we see Gerard obviously haven't been playing the, either the 4-3-3 or the diamond. He really wants that capable, consistent, really consistent, really reliable holder midfield figure who obviously now is able to drop between the back three completely naturally. Uh, technically, a thinking in that midfield zone. I wouldn't say his range is immaculate, like in terms of spraying all over the pitch, but his consistency in the simplistic is not quite ridiculously 
Uh, um, first and foremost, very, very good defender. Positional play has been really good this year, playing uh, as the holder midfielder. I think, was it was it last season? I forgot. It feels like a lot longer ago now, but I think it was like 18 months ago when we were linked with uh, Khaled Takar and he was his centre-back partner at the time. Mm. Uh, and he was playing really well and it was almost a surprise that we were linked with Kaletika rather than Kamara, for example. But I, I do think that this midfield role suits him at the moment. Maybe later on in his career, he goes back to defence again. Um, but I, I, I really like seeing him in the in the DM sort of spot. And they, again, I think a lot of it is to do with the team set up, the players around him in terms of quite a lot of movement and energy off the ball, quite a lot of adventurous runnings from fullback. So presumably that's more of the same from Gerard and Villa next season in that regard. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big fan. I have been for a few years. He's someone I've brought up on the transfer committee pod a number of times. I think our hesitancy on him at centre-back would have just been his size. He's not the biggest in the world. But as a midfielder, as a holding midfielder, he's exactly the profile you'd want. He's about six foot. He's strong. Uh, he's not an explosive athlete, but he does cover ground very well. Reads the game excellently. Like you said, positional play is outstanding. Came through into that Marseille team, played left back, played right back, moved into the centre, and then it was Vias Boas who thought he's the centre, the the holding midfielder I need, and put him there. And he has just gone from strength to strength. He he would have been a great Fabinho backup slash long term successor if we'd wanted to move that way. But I'd imagine with Villa offering him a guaranteed starter position and probably a sizable wage as well, he's he's gone there. Um I think he brings natural leadership to the team as well. He was this guy was walking around the velodrome wearing the armband at eighteen. Like this guy has no fear, nothing puts him off. He's just got such a strong mentality. And I think it's it's a brilliant signing for Villa. Like you say, with the energy and movement they'll put round him in midfield, and he'll just be able to sweep up behind McGinn and Ramsey and Chukwameka and whoever else they've got playing as their number eights. I do wonder if this means that they will go, if they'll still look at a Basuma or a Phillips, maybe for a more box-to-box role, or if this is maybe just their one big addition in midfield. I would say that the Basuma would be if Luis goes, because he's obviously been pushed forward as to one of the side midfields, especially when they mm. play Diamond, and they've had either Marvellous Nakamba or Calvin Chambers as the holder then in behind, because Luis obviously gives you that extra energy, a bit more athleticism, a bit more ball winning higher upfield as well, and then still have the defensive midfielder behind him. So I think that this is their big one that they wanted to, you know, to anchor the midfield as such. But yeah, I could definitely still see them going to get a, a Phillips or a Basuma if Louise does depart. Yeah. I'd be looking to keep Louise. Now I know he's been a bit inconsistent, but I do think if he gets a full season as an eight, I do think you'll see a different level from him. I think he is very, very good. I think that pairing of him and um, and Kamara from a defensive point of view will be very, very good. And then obviously McGinn is a bit more attack-minded, a bit more progressive. So that is a midfield three. And then obviously Ramsey, Sanson, uh, Chukwameka, those three can also play the number eight positions. And Nakamba likely sticks around as the backup six. Uh, though obviously it's... He, yeah, he's very, very limited in what he can do, but lots of energy and 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 you know, in in a two man midfield next to Kamara, I think Nakamba wouldn't be too bad either. So great signing for Villa. Uh, they obviously needed to address that position. They've got a couple more big ones to address. I think they desperately need one in attack. Uh, they desperately need a left sided centre back. And if Gerard can get those in, then it's just movement around the fringes, you know, trying to find good squad players, a backup right back. You might want a backup left back as well, depending what happens with Matt Target. But this is one of his three big needs that he had for the summer, and they've boxed it off really, really early. Uh, and I, I, I genuinely don't think they could have done better. As, as good as Phillips is, as good as Basuma is, this guy is quite a bit younger than both, and they've gotten him on a Bosman. He is the type of player that in two, three years I could see us looking at if if the time comes to replace Fabinho. I I think he's the type that could develop into somebody we'll look at and go, that's who we want. Yeah, it depends very much how how dominant he proves to be, doesn't it, in this sort of step up. We've seen a few players... 
who we could have gone for, even people like Rafinha, you know, he was clearly a, a very, very impactful player in France. He was clearly technically capable of being one of the top creators and everything and really, really good combination of shooting and creating and ball carrying and all the rest of it, aggressive as well off the ball. But we seemingly would prefer to watch these players have another year in England as well first. So another couple of years sometimes. So maybe for Kamara, I, I do think that we maybe look for a bit more progressive uh, ball players. And especially if we do go to a, a two-man midfield, again, I would expect us to want someone who is more complete than he is at the moment, maybe in terms of forward thinking and passing. But, you know, two years under Gerard, we don't know how well that coaching is going to go. He could be a lot more to his game. He could be asked to be a lot more expansive. He could bring something like ball carrying, for example. He's pretty calm and composed on the ball. We don't see him carrying it too much or taking people on, but he's certainly got good acceleration. He can get moving into space. So there's a lot of development which can be had in a player's game across a year or two-year period when they go to a new league and a new team and all the rest of it. So definitely one to watch for next season. Really, really good as he is and a lot of potential to get better, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of potential to get to get much better. And uh, it'll be interesting to see him work under Gerrard and certainly interesting to see if if this can prove a big help in fixing Villa's uh, fairly poor defensive record. Um, we've been asked to do a team of the season of Premier League newcomers, and we'll finish up with this. Uh, I think we'll just do a combined 11 of Premier League newcomers. So that can be either players who have been signed and come into the, t- the Premier League for this season or came up with promoted teams. Um, obviously, the three promoted teams were Norwich, Watford and Brentford. And um, I'm not really sure there'd be many from Norwich or Watford that would make this team, but certainly Brentford might have a couple of people worthy of mention. So if we just want to do a combined team, we'll just start with the goalkeeper. Um, Jose Sa, I think, would be certainly one contender. Would you have anyone else in mind for that role? Uh, probably not. I mean, what if a goalkeeper is transferred between English club to English club? Is that a newcomer or does that not count? It's just new no, that people into the Premier League. New people into the Premier League. Yeah, okay, so it's obviously quite limited then anyway. Um, I don't think there's too much competition apart from the promoted guys is there. So, yeah, we'll go with him. Okay, so that's Jose Sa as the goalkeeper. Um, what about right back then? Is there anyone that stood out to you this season who's newly into the division, either as a promoted player or a player bought in from abroad or from the lower league that's kind of stood out to you as uh, someone that to keep an eye on long term? Now, what about revolutionary mid-season signing Nathan Patterson and his impact at Everton? <laughs> Is that too mean? Sorry, is it too that, early? That might, be a, that might be a bit too early. Yeah, um, could Tino Livermento count here? Because he hadn't really he hadn't played in the Premier League before and mm. obviously joined Southampton from Chelsea. And I, I have to say I was, I was so impressed by him across the course of the season. I thought he just looked like a player with a massive, massive future ahead of him. Yeah, first half of the season he was spectacular, wasn't he? He made a... I think he was quite similar in the impact that uh, Tarek Lamptey made in the second half of the 2020 season when he went to Brighton, obviously, and then went straight into their team. Um, really, really proactive player, very good going forward into the final third. Um, who else have we got? I mean, Emerson at Spurs, I think he's been hit and miss at best. He's you know improved under Conte, obviously, in terms of positional work, but I don't think he's great with his uh, end product or anything like that. I don't think there are too many others who have been stand out to be honest yeah so if we go with him I think left back Cucurella is the one real standout for me I thought he had an outstanding season yeah I really do think he had an outstanding season yeah Nuri obviously as well who we've mentioned um, a few times Um, I I thought to be fair uh, Dimitri Janula started the season really well for Norwich but I'm not sure what happened in terms of him falling out of the team or falling out of favour or whether it was just because he was part of a team that conceded 16 goals every weekend that he just fell away basically but a bit a bit disappointed basically to what we've seen from him in the end I know he maybe hasn't played as much as Cucurella obviously so maybe that counts as uh, as he was uh, there last year wasn't he 
he he was on loan, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, if you're not counting that, fair enough then. Um, Junior Furpo, obviously not not really done too much, I don't think. He's not been that good. Mikalenko's been decent over the second half of the season. I think that'd probably be about it, to be fair. Yeah, I I think Cucurella is the one standout. I think over the course of the year, he's just been... He's been excellent. Um, what about centre back then? Because there's definitely a few, a few oh, options here. Okay, okay. Give me yours. We're going to go with big Ibu Kanate. Absolutely, without question. And, and almost as big Mark Wehi. Oh, Mark Wehi. I am surprised you haven't picked Christian Romero. I would have, but I think. Kanate has been just better than him individually. And also, I think I would just pick Gwehi over him for consistency, to be honest, and importance of the team. Gwehi has um, been great. He has yeah, been great for really, Palace really this season. Consistent, really consistent. And when you consider that it was a step up in football level as well. Mm. Um, and towards the end of the season, when obviously Romero's picked up injury and has missed a few games there and that, I wouldn't say the Spurs didn't miss him at all, like, but you could see that they still had the structure in place there. They still had Damon Sanchez to come in. I think, you know, if they'd have lost Anderson or or Gray himself, then Palace would have struggled a lot more than they did. So I think for for impact on the team, the season that he's had, his age, obviously, I expect good things from Romero. I expected him to be even a little bit better than he was, to be perfectly honest. I think he was better last season in Serie A than he was this season with Spurs. First half of the season was obviously a bit of a difficult start, and the team was a bit inconsistent. So I think there's more to go from Romero next season, uh, and I think I would just about give it to to the Palace man instead. That's yeah, I can get on board with that. We'll go with those two. Uh, can I? And, yes. Can I? Can I throw in a right back? Okay, Tommy Asu. Yeah, so I was talking. I on two footed today. I picked my team of the year, and I actually, I picked. Um, I actually picked Romero as my second centre back with Virgil. And I was when I was doing my non top. I did a non top four team as well, and I was looking at right backs. And I really did want to pick Tommy Asu because I, I think he's been outstanding for that Arsenal team. But he missed a lot of football. I mean, what did he play? 21 games. He missed a lot of football this season with with calf issues. Um, he he has been outstanding. And I'd happily have him. If you want to go him over Livermento, you won't get any pushback off from me. I think he's been so, so good for them. He really reminds me of like a more cultured Branislav Ivanovic. That sort of tall, dominant figure at right-back who can also fill in at centre-back, but he gets forward well. He's good on both feet, dominates in the air, good 1v1. Yeah, I think Tommy Asu's excellent. I'll tell you what, have a look and see how many Tino played as well, because obviously with the ACL, he's been out for quite a while now, so most games can go in. They had four. They had three full-backs. They were rotating. So Tino played 28. Let's, let's look at minutes. Uh, Tino's minutes this season. He played 2,000. Tino played more minutes. He played 2,202 minutes in the league. Um, whereas Tommy Asu can't have played that much because he played 21 games in the league. So, um, okay. yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll score with Tino, but I definitely think Doff of the cap to, uh, to Tommy Asu. And I, I'm hopeful he can stay fit next season and, and show what he's capable of. Right, midfield. Uh, I think this one's tough because I think there's there's a few options here. Would there be anyone for you that just immediately stands out as has to be in? I'm having a quick scroll through. I'm, I'm going to guess that you don't think any of the Brentford boys did enough consistency-wise. Well, I would say I was really impressed by Vitaly Janos this season. I think it was really good for the first half of the season, but I think he towards he the did last, dip then. Yeah, he did dip. Whereas I, I think Norgard had a decent first half, then a a poor run, a flat out poor run. But then when Eriksson came in, that midfield seemed to get a whole new lease of life, and did seem to go up a level. Um, Are we going like four four two or something like that? Oh yeah, whatever, whatever. 
I'd, I'd put Maxwell Corne in as a as a possible left winger. Then I think he's been good. He has been good. He has been good. Could I interest you in Michael Elise as the right winger in a four four two? Yeah, happy with that because I think he's been really good. Um, he hasn't played enough, so I'm not going to make a case from. But Mo- Moises Casado mm-hmm. of Brighton has really impressed me in the last say month and a half. Um, so I think he's one to keep an eye on for next season. Mid mid season signing Bruno Gimesh. Yes. I actually think the two centre midfielders might both be January signings, if I'm being honest. I think Rodrigo Bentancur is worth a mention here as well. He did play very well. He was very I thought he was up. Yeah, I thought he made a massive difference. And I thought he gave Heusberg sort of a new lease on life as well. Um I don't think any of the Norwich lads were good. Uh Leeds didn't bring anyone in. Everton didn't bring anyone in. Villa didn't sign a central midfielder. But did oh Jacob Ramsey probably played last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yes, so so it. neither neither of the two big signings last summer, Sancho or Grealish, get a look in? No, not even. If we were doing a flop of this season <laughs> team, I think Grealish walks in. Um, I think it's outrageous that he's been included in the England squad when uh, James Madison's had a much better season than him and plays a similar enough role. Um, I've, I think also, I've also just realised uh, I'm not going to be able to get Maxwell Corney in the team. Boy, well, because Luis, Luis Diaz, Diaz has to be left winger. Yeah, that's a very good point. Luis Diaz has <laughs> to be the left winger, so you could play Corne up front if you want. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, why not? But, uh, we won't. Um, <laughs> Diaz left wing, Elise right wing, Bentancur and Gamerish as the centre midfield pairing. I think that's really strong. So up front, then what have you got? I'm thinking um, a big Phil Coutinho in behind. Probably not Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> Anybody but Big Rom. Um, I also I, I did consider going for a, a Max Corne Woot Weghorst partnership, but that'd just be taking it too far. To be fair, it would. It'd be a bit too much now. Um, I've been really impressed with Bro here this season at Southampton, so I think he's worth mentioning. I've been, I think Ivan Tony had a, had a, a quietly very good season. 12 goals, ten ass, uh, five assists. Would have easily been double figures assists if his teammates could finish. To be fair, most of the big attackers didn't do well. But uh, I would say, go ahead. Kulosevsky for a mid-season one, but I'd maybe go Coutinho behind Tony. See, I'd probably go Kulisevsky behind Tony. I think Kulisevsky's been better than Coutinho. I think Phil had that really hot start and then just sort of drifted off and then turned up, yeah, yeah, yeah. final day of the season. We'll go Kula then. I like them both. That's fine. Yeah, I think Kula's been great. And he just, he's such an unusual player in like his build and how he runs. Like he's very upright and he's no right foot at all. Um, I'd say Kulisevsky and Tony's probably the, the the front pairing, to be fair. Yep. I don't think anyone else really stood out. Uh, so that is that then. That is our newcomer team of the season. Is there anything else you want to hit before we go? Yeah, we've uh, just had Guy in the chat actually telling us that while we're recording RMC, are going strong on Chuameni having picked Real Madrid as his summer option. So what do you think and alternatives you'd like? Yes, so I have also had the same news. Um, he has he has chosen the money. Um, it seems to be the the way. It's a it's a disappointment. It is a disappointment because he would have been a transformative player for us. I think he would have been a massive addition in the midfield. I don't know that there's anyone out there who's like a straight-up alternative in terms of being able to play as a box-to-box eight and as a number six, but what our need is more for that box-to-box eight. I would say the two I'd look at really strongly would be Matthias Nunes of Sporting, who I do really like, 
And Kone of Borussia Mönchengladbach. I really like him. I think he's a massive, massive talent. He's 21. I think he's got huge potential to be just a wrecking ball all over the pitch. So I'd probably go him. I'd probably go Kone from Gladbach. But I do wonder, considering what the price we were apparently willing to pay for Chumeni was, I do wonder if we can now turn around and maybe buy two midfielders instead. Because I actually think we need two with Milner and Ox possibly leaving. And even if Milner stays, he should play a lot less next season. So I do wonder if maybe we could look at, say, Kone as a box-to-box option and then maybe someone in that holding role as well to develop. Um, I, I'm absolutely in love with Amadou Onana from Lille. I think he's fantastic. I like Czech Dekure that you've mentioned a few times. Uh, Jean Onana from Bordeaux is another one. But I think Amadou Onana would be the one I'd look for in that role with uh, Quadu, Quadio Kone from Gladbach as the box-to-box option. Maybe we're going to have to do an entire podcast on uh, options for midfield, like for each of the three roles, I think. And uh, we'll we'll give a bit more explanation and detail on some of the ones that we come up with. Yes, yes, I think that is def- definitely something that we should do. Rightio then, we will leave it at that. Have you got anything you want to plug? Uh, end of season stuff on the Independent. I've done quite a lot of stuff looking at all 20 teams and there will be obviously a scouted head of Real Madrid looking at their tactics and specifically if we get a chance we'll do an extra one looking at maybe Real Madrid as a as a club as well and the Liverpool Real Madrid all those kind of storylines and side stories and rivalry bits and all the rest of it and maybe maybe Chiuameni news is just another layer of that yes Yes, it is. Radio, we will leave it there and we will speak to you later in the week. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.